Amen. I want to direct your attention here in the Rock Church. We are in this season, not knowing it was going to be like this. We began to focus a week or so ago on the book of Acts and how appropriate it is that, that we are in this book in this season as a nation and as a world. Uh, and we are working together each night, as I've already announced, we are calling it Faith in Crisis as we greet uh, and meet uh, in this new technological way over the internet. And uh, maybe you're just now joining us. Maybe somebody just sent you a text to, to join us. So welcome aboard. We're already feeling the presence of the Lord in our homes and in this room today. Uh, and we're hearing victory reports. Uh, we have had people that have joined us from a number of different countries. Uh, we had a group from Moscow, Russia on Sunday joined with us. We have a group, a large group from the Philippines, uh, also from Honduras, Central America, Mexico, even in the Middle East have been joining us, and uh, from the Fijian Islands and Australia. Many people are joining with us on Facebook Live and Instagram and therockchurch.org. And if you would like to know more about faith, maybe you're, you're interested in knowing what, what is all of this about? How can you people sing in this time of crisis? How can you be so joyous and full of faith and not fear? Well, if you'd like to know more, you'd like a Bible study, maybe we could do it online, or maybe we can connect you with someone in your local community, go to therockchurch.org forward slash link and give us your information, and there we will direct you and put a little note with, with that of what you're interested in. And if you're in the local Sacramento area, as soon as we're able to open the doors, we want you to come join with us. But meanwhile, join our Rock Church web congregation, and uh, we will look forward to getting to know you. Drop us a line on Facebook or the comments, and, and uh, we get a lot of bad ones from time to time, so we could use some good ones. And uh, we would love to get to know you and pray with you. And uh, the office has asked me to announce maybe you would like to bring your offering by. Maybe you're not set up electronically. Uh, on the screen, they're going to put how the offering can be given. A number of you have texted in or called in. And uh, on the screen, they are putting that number for you to call in uh, to give. And you can do that electronically or if you need to bring uh, uh, an offering by the office. The office is open during the day. You can call 916-689-7625. That's the Rock Church number. And uh, we are located at 8520 Bradshaw Road, Elk Grove, California. So we welcome all of you tonight to this word from God and this time of worship, our local congregation. We welcome you. This is the way we're having to do church right now. But we also want to welcome all of our global audience and national law audience today. And uh, again, let me encourage you, support our global efforts in times like this. We recognize the importance of internet ministry and a big shout out to all of those men and women that are making this go, uh, not only here on our local broadcast, but all of the churches, uh, many of which are just now launching into this ministry out of necessity. So we pray uh, strength to them. If you have your Bible, let's go to the book of Acts. We're going to be in the third chapter and the fourth chapter for a little while tonight and uh, uh, get the coffee on, get the popcorn going, uh, and, uh, but make sure you're able to respond while you kick back in your lazy boy. And uh, let's see what the word of the Lord has to say. Uh, I am going to be giving this title tonight, The Pentecostal Pandemic. The Pentecostal Pandemic. 
Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and hold my text a little bit later, so just keep your Bible open to chapter 3 and chapter 4 of the book of Acts. And uh, so here's the story. Acts chapter 3 uh, opens upon the heels of that great outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 where uh, the Holy Ghost fell and all of those multitudes received the baptism of the Holy Ghost from so many different places of the then known world. And uh, it, was, it was a grand and glorious event. And uh, chapter 3 opens with what is the, the story or the account of the first apostolic adventure. Now, I like that. Thank you, Sister Shoshana. She's bringing me some sanitized. Is that, has that been totally? All right, all right. Thank you. She can tell I need some water. I had water up here, but I was scared to drink it. Uh, but this is in Acts chapter 3. It opens up with the first adventure of an apostolic preacher. And they have now been filled with the Holy Ghost. They are now in a different place uh, spiritually than they had been prior to Acts chapter 2. And here we have the narrative of that first action of the apostles, a great adventure of what is going to happen when someone is filled with the Holy Ghost. And they go up together, the Bible says in verse number 1 of Acts chapter 3, they go up into the temple at the hour of prayer. Evidently that was a normal procedure for them. There was an hour of prayer. We talked a little bit about that uh, uh, on Sunday morning. But as they go up to the house of God at their hour of prayer, they encounter a man that evidently they had seen before, uh, that evidently a lot of people knew and had seen. This was a man that uh, went almost daily, it seems, to the temple there to beg for alms. He was over 40 years old. I don't know how long he had done this particular thing, but he was no doubt known and seen by all of those that approached the uh, house of worship. He had been lame since his birth, and he would lay at that beautiful gate in a not-so-beautiful condition. And here is the encounter. Uh, and I can't help but think that Jesus himself had passed this man a number of times, that he even had the power, you and I know well, he had the power to simply speak, and that man would have been healed instantly. But I kind of get a little grin on my face when I think about this is because he was saving that miracle for later. He was saving that miracle for, for it to be the very first adventure for uh, those men that had been recently filled with the Holy Ghost. And so here are, these, here are these men filled with the power of the Holy Ghost that are approaching to go through their normal activity. That's important. This was what they normally did. It was just another normal day. But when these normal actions were now acted upon with a newly filled Holy Ghost in them, they now operated differently than they had on normal days prior. In this encounter, they reached in their pocket and didn't have any silver and they didn't have any gold, but Peter looks at him. Here's the guy, remember, that's got the keys to the kingdom, and he takes out a very important key. Notice it's keys, plural. It's not just one key. He reaches into that key ring and pulls out the right key for this situation, and he says, such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and he lifted him up. Here was a key to the 
supernatural. Here it was. These keys that he used, number one, was the name of Jesus. The first thing he did when he encountered this man, this situation that was without the ability to help himself, he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then he didn't just proclaim it. He took action. And the Bible said that he took him by the hand and he lifted him up. Can I tell all of you apostolic believers today that is an important key by the apostle Peter is that he said, use it and declare it the name of Jesus he proclaimed it he declared it but he didn't just speak the words he put action behind his words and he reached while he was proclaiming and he took the man by the hand and he lifted him up what the apostolic church needs to do is to declare the whole name the whole power the whole counsel and declare the name of Jesus Christ but then we're going to put our word into action and we're going to reach down to a hurting world that is unable able to help itself and we're going to proclaim the name of Jesus and extend the hand of help hallelujah he lifted him up he reached down there's got to be a reaching effort on behalf of the church we are in a time of crisis as a nation as a people as a community even our families and it is the job of the church to proclaim the name of Jesus there is a power on the inside of us but we got to do more than just stand behind the pulpit and behind a Sunday school class but we got to get our hands in this thing we've got to reach out and help a hurting world Amen. There was a power. There was an impact that happened immediately in that moment. And chapter 3 and verse number 9 said that all the people, that means the community, the community saw him walking and praising God. They had passed this man time after time after time. But in that moment, they saw him, that something had happened to him. They could not deny that something had changed this man. There had been a supernatural, powerful, impacting miracle in his life. And it caused such a stir that the Bible said that the people ran together. There was, a, there was a gathering that began to take place. I don't know how you do that with COVID-19, but in that day, there was a gathering that took place, and the people, they were wondering, how did any of this happen? How could this man that's been lame, they knew this man. He was over 40 years old. He had begged daily at the house of God. And now they're looking and this guy is running around. This guy is praising God. There's an excitement and they are trying to figure out how did it happen. And Peter gives honor to God. He says, this isn't by our holiness. This isn't by our power. But he says in chapter 3, verse number 13 through verse number 19, I'm not going to take the time to read it, but if you've got your Bible, look at it. He begins to preach to them, and he uses this miracle. Here's an important key for all of you preachers out there. This is pretty important. He used the miracle not to promote his own personal ministry. He didn't suddenly say, all right, I'm going to get me a big tour bus and a TV program and healing crusade ministry. No, that's not what he did. He used that miracle as a way to preach repentance and conversion. He began to preach to them about the sin in their life. Whenever God begins to work, it is the mandate of the church to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot use the supernatural for our own personal aggrandizement, but the responsibility, here's the guy 
guy with the keys. He's showing us if we want the church to grow, we got to do what Peter said to do. He's the guy with the keys to the kingdom. And here he began to preach to them upon the hills of the miraculous. He began to preach the truth of repentance and the need to be converted. Amen. These are keys, important keys. And his preaching, not only did the miracle cause a stir, his preaching caused a stir. His preaching was about repentance in verse number 14. And he said, you have denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. He calls it like it is. He speaks truth to power. And he said, you denied the Holy One. And in verse number 15, boy, look what he says. He says, you killed the prince of life. Boy, that's a contrast right there. That's a paradox. How can you really think you can kill the prince of life? You may knock him down, but let me tell you, eternal life is in him. He's getting back up on on that Sunday morning. He said, you kill the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead. Now, that's an important verse. That's an important thing right there. Whom God hath raised from the dead. So now, this becomes... Repentance preaching, conversion preaching, but it also becomes resurrection preaching. That's what kind of Pentecostal preaching is. It's it's repentance preaching, it's conversion preaching, and it's resurrection preaching. There are people under the sound of my voice that you heard a preacher preach repentance and you repented of your sins and it converted your life and transformed your life and now you're living in the resurrection. Can I preach to you today, if you don't have the Holy Ghost right where you are in that hospital room, in that living room, driving down the road, in your truck delivering Walmart supplies or whatever it may be, I challenge you repent of your sins ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost we'll find a way to get you baptized in water in the name of Jesus and when you come up out of that water it will be your resurrection you will have been buried with him in baptism but you'll be newborn you'll be resurrected with him Praise God. Praise God. Right where you are, just praise God a minute. Right in your living room, praise God for the resurrection power. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So this this resurrection preaching may be easy for us on Tuesday night. Amen. We need a little resurrection preaching in the middle of all this bad news we've been hearing. I'm trying to resurrect your faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. But, but this, this resurrection preaching caused an even bigger stir. So you got all of the impact of the miracle, and then the preacher starts confronting them by preaching truth, and then he, he's just going to press the issue. He begins to preach to them that this one that was crucified has been raised from the dead. Now that's a big deal in that day, maybe not to you today, but it was in that day especially. Because there was a ruling group of people that were known as the Sadducees. The Sadducees were those people that were in strong positions of religious power, which was important for the Jewish people. And the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. And the Bible said that Peter began to preach about the resurrection. 
And he said in verse number 26, unto you first God, having raised up his son, Jesus sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from his iniquities. And what he was saying is God raised him up so that I could be empowered to show up on this big porch where all of you are gathered and tell you, you need to repent from your iniquities. So now we got a big problem for the Sadducees. Not only are they being confronted for their iniquity, they are being rebuked for their lack of belief in the resurrection. And he says, God raised him up to send me to preach to you about your sin. Here's what was incredible. So this big group had followed as this miracle had taken place. They wanted to see what had happened. Peter preaches. And now it has stirred such a commotion. And look at verse number four. We're in Acts chapter four now. As this thing happens, now I'm going to get to my text. This is the text I'm going to take tonight. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. So this thing starts with 120 in an upper room. Just a couple of chapters prior, that 120 becomes 3,000. And now the first adventure happens at the gate, beautiful. A miracle happens, and now there's another large gathering of people. And the Bible said that there were 5,000 men. That doesn't name the women or the children. We don't know how many people it was, but it's probably a pretty good estimate that there was at least eight to 10,000 people. But just the men that were counted, there were 5,000 that believed. So just in a matter of four chapters, really three chapters, we've jumped from 120 to 3,000 to about 8,000. You put those numbers together, just in those three chapters, we're now having thousands upon thousands in the middle of of this book of Acts. What am I saying? Now you know the reason I titled it the Pentecostal pandemic. It was in this text that we see how this thing spread. We're dealing with COVID-19. We're dealing with coronavirus. And everybody's trying to stop community spread. As the cameras pan around here, you're looking at an empty building. And everybody's distancing and social space and all of that. And we got a few folks that are here tonight. But, but all of you are in your home or on the phone or on the internet. And you're watching because of a virus. Why? Because of community spread. The fear of community spread. And they're trying to quarantine it down because if we can separate and get everybody locked down, we can stop the spread of this thing. But as far as the Pentecostal pandemic, I like to think of it like a Holy Ghost virus. Is that 120 people got infected with the Holy Ghost in an upper room and it got out. And it got out into the street. And it went from 120 and it became 3,000. And then two guys got infected with it. And they walked up to a gate beautiful. And there was a crippled man. All of a sudden it got on him. And before it was over, they were all running to the place. And before it ended, 5,000 men were now infected with the Holy Ghost virus. Hallelujah. Sorry it got out. 
It's already spread. It's already moving. It's becoming. Hey, hey, he said it's going to be to you and your children and your children's children. It's going to start at Jerusalem. It's going to go to Judea and then Samaria until the uttermost parts of the earth. It's going to be a pan-global pandemic. It's going to get out of this room and it's going to spread the world. And all the way to 2020, here we are on a Tuesday night in your house. And guess what? The virus is in your house. The Holy Ghost is there. It's a Pentecostal pandemic. Hallelujah. Amen. And what do you do with a pandemic? Boy, if you're fighting the pandemic, we're seeing a good example of what they try to do. What needs to be done if you're trying to shut down a pandemic? Hallelujah. They decided, the, the Sadducees, they decided we, we got to shut this thing down. It's it, it's gonna it's gonna go it's gonna go viral. It's gonna jump out. It's gone from 120 to 3,000 now 5,000 men. So they had a meeting. They called a task force. They had lead voices with press conferences, and they called. They wanted to do an examination. They had to do their theological testing. They brought this new infected healed man they brought him in because they got they got to examine the patient they got to examine him and they bring in these two men that that are on this new adventure that have been infected with this holy ghost and they say by what power in verse number seven of chapter four by what power and by what name they evidently knew the power was connected to the name boy that's amazing how many religious people don't get that today let me tell you there's no other name like the name of Jesus the power is in that name there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved I'm glad I know there's power in the name they understood the reason they wanted that question to ask was because you can't stop a pandemic. You can't stop a virus until you can identify where it's coming from and what it is. And so they were trying to figure out the source of this virus. They wanted to figure out how they could stop it. But Peter looked at them in verse number 9 of chapter 4. And he said, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole. In other words, they said, look at us. Go ahead, do a test on us. Stick your needle in us. Stick that swab up our spiritual nose and investigate. You just get a thorough examination. And let me tell you, what's on the inside of us is the Holy Ghost. And what is in us is the power of the name of Jesus. In verse number 10, he said, Be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised up from the dead, even by him, doth this man stand here before you whole the power that was in those men that had newly received the gift of the Holy Ghost they didn't have seniority they hadn't had the Holy Ghost for 20 years we don't even know if it was just a matter of a few days but what they had received was enough power to take a crippled man by the hand and raise him up whole and I'm preaching to somebody today if you've got the Holy Ghost you've got the power to lay hands on the sick you may not be a preacher you may not be an evangelist you may not be a prophet you're just a Sunday school teacher or just a saint on the pew but there ain't no just of anything in the house of God if you got the Holy Ghost you've got the risen Christ on the inside of you
Oh, I feel like preaching in this empty house tonight. Amen. He's telling them no other name like the name of Jesus. And they knew a lot about names. They, they would tell you they were the sons of Abraham. They'd, they'd trace their lineage back to mighty King David. And they could talk about Elijah and Elisha and all the great names of the Old Testament. But he looked at them with a key. And he said, neither is there salvation. I'm telling you about the key. He said, there's neither any other salvation other than the name of Jesus. Because it's a name above every name. In other words, you ain't got an antidote to stop this virus. You don't have a way to stop the power of this name. I know in the world today, we're trying to find an antidote and try to develop a vaccine. And I'm praying. I, I wish everybody would be praying that they can. But when I'm preaching about the Pentecostal pandemic, it's about a Holy Ghost thing that gets on the inside of you. And begins to work on you and sanctify. And that old man that you were, it'll kill that old man. It'll do away with that old man. You'll rise up in resurrection and become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Look what they do. This is where I get my title from this next verse. Look at verse number 15. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council. In other words, they get these guys out of here. Get the patients out. We got, we got to have a council to figure this out. They conferred amongst themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle. They could not deny that this Holy Ghost virus had power. Hath been done by them is manifest to all of them. In other words, they've all got this thing. And all them that dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. <laughs> Look at 17. But that it spread no further among the people. Guys, if we don't figure this out, if we don't stop these guys from spreading this Holy Ghost virus, if we don't shut the power of this name down, it is going to take over everything out here. So let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor to teach the name of Jesus. They did not want this gospel to spread. They did not want the name of Jesus to be preached. Because understand if anybody ought to understand this message today it ought to be all of us. Because everything in our world right now is trying to stop the social spreading of COVID-19. And they have learned. This is why they're trying to get us to stay home. They're, they're trying to get the restaurants to close and the bars to close and the beaches to close. Why? Because something happens when you get close in community. And here they said, we got to stop these guys because if they go out and preach that name and they go preach this Holy Ghost message, it's going to affect the community. Why? They said, you can't say that name. You can't preach that name. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So even in the middle of a crisis in our nation, I'm on the internet preaching into your home and somebody's listening and suddenly you're beginning to think, what am I feeling? I'll tell you what you're feeling. You're feeling the power of the name of Jesus. You're feeling the power of the Holy Ghost and it's wanting to infect your spirit. It wants to kill that old man that you are and bring resurrection life to you today hallelujah hallelujah something happens when you call that name 
Mountains move when you call that name. Chains are broken when you call that name. Look what happened. Those disciples, they left there with orders from the officials, religious officials. Don't be preaching that name. Shut it down. They took those directives back to the church and said, here's what they told us. This is what the resistance to the virus looks like. And then they quote a scripture they said in verse number 25 or 26 or 25, who by the mouth of the servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. They were doing their best to stop this Holy Ghost uh, virus from getting out. They didn't want it to become the Pentecostal pandemic. They didn't want everybody to experience truth and power and deliverance for themselves. They wanted to hold everybody in their dead religion and tradition. And they told the church... They began to tell what they were up against and the church began to pray. Look at verse number 31. And the Bible said, and when they had prayed, talking about the church, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, just like Acts chapter 2. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Something happened when the church began to pray. There was power that literally shook the physical beings of their selves, of their beings and that physical building, something shook that place when the church filled with the Holy Ghost began to pray. And as this prayer went forth, it began to catch fire. This Holy Ghost began to spread. This Jesus name message began to spread. And there was something that happened. The Bible said great power came upon the apostles. I want the musicians and singers to come and get ready. Something happened in that room that began to spread out again, just like out of Acts chapter 2. Now in Acts chapter 4, it began to spread out from there. And with great power, the apostles gave witness. The Bible shows that in the closing moments of Acts chapter 4, the spirit of stewardship and giving and benevolence came upon the people of God. It's an amazing thing that the Bible says in verse number 34, Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the prices of things that were sold. So think about this. This Holy Ghost virus, this Pentecostal pandemic that spreads out and gets in people and changes their lives. It demonstrates itself with divine power of healing like the lame man at the gate. But then there was a great transfer of wealth. They're telling us that in this COVID virus, there's going to be a great transfer of wealth, maybe one of the largest that ever happens because there are going to be people that lose everything and the wealthy that are able to sustain themselves have means. They will be able to snatch up things that people lost and take control of them, everything for businesses and lands. I don't know if that's true, but here I'm going to take that example they're warning us about and show you that the same thing happened here in this Pentecostal pandemic is that a spirit of stewardship came and there was a great transfer of wealth as people began to bring what they had and begin to put it into the kingdom of God. And it had such a transfer impact that the Bible said, neither was there any among them that lacked. God provided the answers. And one of the most overlooked scriptures of the book of Acts is actually in the closing two verses. There was a man... He was called at that time Joseph, 
He was surnamed Barnabas. Maybe that's a name you're more familiar with. Barnabas was the first, evidently, a son of consolation that in this spiritual Pentecostal pandemic as this transfer begins to happen and change begins to happen in his life, he was evidently a man of means and wealth and he comes and he sells a piece of land and takes the leadership step and he brings the finances to the house of God and he says there's a work to be done and by doing that it ushers in a whole new dimension of giving that you will follow if you read the rest of the book of Acts and the Holy Ghost gospel was spread further because of Barnabas's contribution but not only would it be his stewardship that became exemplary he himself would become the personal mentor of a man known as Saul of Tarsus who through the power of transformation becomes that mighty apostle and light to the Gentiles whom we call the Apostle Paul. Barnabas and Paul became those missionaries that would take the gospel on mission trip further spreading community virus. Community spread this Pentecostal pandemic and I, I, I pray tonight that all of us that are filled with the Holy Ghost, that are baptized in that powerful saving name of Jesus Christ, that took upon that name in baptism and our sins were remitted, we have a blessed hope. We have power that only comes through the name of Jesus. And I know in our physical dimension we are dealing with fears of what tomorrow holds and concerns for our loved ones and what does it mean all of these issues with COVID-19 and coronavirus and some are saying it's nothing but a political and a, and a media frenzy and others are saying it's the apocalypse and the truth is probably somewhere in the middle and we're doing our best and we pray for help in all of those areas. But understand one thing, the Bible said don't fear those that can kill the body. Fear that one who can take your soul. So it is important that wherever you are, that you call upon the name of Jesus Christ. And did you have his name applied to your life in baptism and that you received the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues just like happened in Acts chapter 2. That promises to you, that promises to your children and to all them that are far off. You may be in Sacramento, Elk Grove. You may be in Memphis, Tennessee. You may be in Hong Kong today. You may be in Istanbul or you may be somewhere else around the world joining us via the web. But I can tell you one thing. He's as close as the mention of his name. You may be by yourself in a hotel room, a hospital room, a living room, or even a bedroom. It may be late at night. It may be early in the morning. I don't know where you are and what time zone, but I'll tell you, He is the eternal ancient of days. He is here with you, the ever-present help in the time of trouble. And where two or three are gathered in His name, He said, I'll be there in the midst of them. And you're there by yourself, and I'm with you over this phone or computer screen. And two of us together are enough for Him to meet with us. And we are gathered in His name. Right now, I challenge challenge you to lift up your hands. I challenge you to begin to call on that name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There may be a sick body in your home. I challenge you to call on the name of Jesus right now over that sick body. I pray against every disease, every circumstance in the name of Jesus as they begin to sing today. In your home, in your job, wherever you may be, there is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, 